Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. What we're talking about today um, is out of Numbers 20, and this is a time when Moses is leading the Israelites through through the wilderness, and they need water. This is the second time that they've needed water. They're thirsty. There's a major issue going on within animals. They are not just parched. We're talking dangerous thirsty. In Exodus 17, this was the first time this had happened. They complained, said, Moses, go talk to the Lord. And they, and the Israelites, man, they knew how to complain. Uh, They complained hard at Moses. And so the Lord told Moses to take the staff, you know, the same staff that split the Red Sea. You might have seen in the Charlton Heston Ten Commandments movie, like, just split the Red Sea. Okay, he said, take that staff, hit this rock twice, and water will flow from it. So the Lord does a miracle in the midst of Israel, again, for the upteenth time, and provides water. Well, now, fast forward, we are in Numbers 20. And the same issue is happening again, and it seems like they're angrier. And in Numbers 20, verse 8, Moses has already come to the Lord, and this is the Lord's instructions, and I really want to hear you on how the Lord lays this out for Moses. Numbers 20, verse 8. He says, Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their, and their cattle. The key part of this scripture, please pay attention to this passage, so important. He did not tell him to hit the rock. Same situation, and he said, speak to the rock, don't hit it. So he told him to speak to the rock. Verse 9 says, so the Moses took the staff before him, the Lord, as he commanded him. Verse 10, then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, hear now, you rebels. Wonderful intro. Uh, Shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, struck the rock with his staff twice, and water came out abundantly. The congregation drank in their livestock. This is a very complicated passage. So the Lord tells Moses, this is how you need to do it. You need you to speak to the rock, and the water's going to flow out. Moses starts off by doing something, a grave error. He claims the miraculous works of God as his own. And says, do we, him and his brother, do we have to bring water out of the rock? But here's the thing. There was never a miracle Moses performed. He was obedient in action, but the Lord, the Lord performs the miracles. Do you know there's not a pastor, there's not a person on this earth that has saved anyone. It is Jesus that brings us unto salvation. There is no pastor that is a healer. It is the Holy Spirit working through someone to heal them. That it, Scripture also says it's in him I move, I live and move and breathe. That actually he knew us in the womb and he knit us together. That every part of our life, God's hand is on it, whether we recognize it or not. So when we claim miraculous works of God as our own, we find ourselves out of order and in a dangerous place. 
When we exalt man on a pedestal that has never been his own, we are not built to exalt men and women in places that they are not responsible for. God did it through them. You might notice this about this church. We do not come out and pump a lot of our leadership. And it's not because we don't believe in the pastors and the people placed here. We very much believe that we respect and are reverent to what God is doing in the leadership that's at this church. But we also know that they would not be leading or have any effectiveness without God himself moving through him. And so what is it, I know this about balloons, and I swear it's the same for people. Enough hot air you pump into that thing, it'll pop. And so we can set people up for failure when we allow and encourage the exalting of their own lifestyle or effectiveness instead of recognizing, no, 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 that's God moving through you. No, 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 that's the Holy Spirit's gifts active in the church. That's not because of your, ta your talents and gifts. No, that's because God's using you as a vessel. We get real dirty when we claim the things that God is our own. Because we forget our place. It gets nasty. It gets ugly. Now, as a pastor's kid, this was not a very hard lesson to learn because the senior pastor's church, I grew up in his house. I know he's flawed. Really? Let's be honest here. I'm not taking shots at all. And if anything, our family's very verbally, brutally honest with each other. But we know he's, he's a man learning. But what has kept the leadership here in a safer place is they do not claim glory for their own. That if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit active in this church, this church wouldn't exist. If it wasn't for God moving in the hearts of people, no one would get saved. If it wasn't for God moving and healing, which is why we do healing class, even though we teach it, do you know who heals? Not Joy Clayton. It's the Holy Spirit. It's God himself. We teach these things in the salvation. It's Jesus who saves. In fact, people do a terrible job trying to convert other people. Conversion is not our job. We are not responsible conversion. We are responsible to minister the word. And Jesus changes the heart of man, not man changes the heart of man. It never is that way. So <laughs> I, it's not that we're against a culture of honor and verbal affirmation. It's really not. It's not that. We, have, we just make sure, and it might seem like we go overboard with it, but we'd rather go overboard than get thrown overboard. Of, of being reverent with God's place in our life. This wouldn't happen without him. It wouldn't happen without him. It really wouldn't. Because boy, I'll tell you this, if you have ever tried to do ministry in your own strength, <laughs> it's awful. It's awful. So you have Moses. He, he takes glory in his frustration and look. Let's be merciful here. Sometimes we can read scripture and <laughs> we can judge pretty hard because behind sight's 2020, right? He has like well over a million people complaining at him. I doubt my composure would be really chill. Um, and this is not the first time. This is a multiple times. And in the midst of complaining and pain, Moses just misses it. He misses it. 
And not only does he claim the miracle as his own, he misses the second part, which is not touching the glory. But the second part is he wasn't obedient to what the Lord asked him to do. The Lord said, speak to the rock. He struck it twice. And you're like, oh, it's not a big deal. Let me give this example. If I say, go talk to my friend over there and tell them we're going to Chili's at 6 p.m. And you go over there and kick them in the shins twice. I would say that's a very different action than telling them. You're like, we're going at 6. And you just, you're like, that's not the same. It's, I know it's goofy, but we got to see, this is not the same action. And here's the thing. You're talking about an Old Testament where they started with 10 laws and people were so corrupt, they went to 613. 613, where there was all kinds of rituals and preachers and, and Levite and Levitical laws. There's a whole book about it, about how to properly handle the Lord and what he's been asked and obedience. In the Old Testament, some quick theology, you won't actually see the word faith much, but you will see obedience. Hebrews speaks about New Testament, how faith was so important. But in the Old Testament and in their own understanding, they emphasize to be obedient. And if we think... If we, here's the thing. What's great is I'm only obedient. I'm only responsible to be obedient to the Lord. I am not responsible for the results. I am not responsible for the results. I am responsible for what he's asked me to do. Moses was not responsible for the water. He is responsible to speak to the rock. And I, I actually love that. Paul in Corinthians they were, getting, they were getting really catty about, you know, I was under this pastor and I was under Apollos and baptized him and I was under Paul, baptized him, which I know we don't do that with pastors today at all, ever. Uh, but <laughs> but he, they were getting, they were warring at each other of like, who do you follow? And Paul says, whether I plant, whether Paul planted or Apollos watered, it's God that brings the growth. And so when we are obedient to what we ask, we can't strong arm someone to salvation, which is why some people in this room feel so painful about their family. It's because you have tried to talk to them about God. You have created opportunities, but you are starting to see that as much as you will and as you want, unless their heart turns to the Lord themselves, you cannot will them to Jesus. There are students, and I'll tell you what I share with our students, and it might seem kind of tough, but it is very true. You, you cannot adopt genetically Christianity. This is a heart choice. Just because our families have maybe grown up Christian does not mean your kid will be a Christian. Because he has to come to faith. He or she has to come to faith themselves. They have to come to... It's, uh, someone would say God doesn't have grandkids. You don't inherit faith. He doesn't have grandkids. He has a sons and daughters. People that come to know Jesus themselves. And the beautiful thing is they can. They can. And where our obedience is, is trying to teach them in the way in which we go. I'm not giving parenting tips. I'm 30-year-old with a, with a three-year-old and two-year-old. Please. It would take some serious gall for me to make parenting tips right now. Um, but that's not what we're getting into. We're talking about we're responsible for obedience. We're responsible for pouring into the next generation, teaching them about the word, praying over them, singing over them, teaching everything we know about the scriptures. And then the results are on the Lord. But we're obedient to do those things. So he claims the glory of his own. He, he isn't obedient. And he strikes the rock. 
So you have all things out of order. It's interesting. I don't know if many of you know this uh, story, but there's a guy named Ray Kroc. Ray Kroc in the 60s and early 70s, um, he owned McDonald's at one point, but at one point he did not. He was the real estate arm of the McDonald's Brothers Restaurant Corporation. Um, They created the system, custom equipment, ways to do burgers, the whole thing. He stumbled upon it trying to sell milkshake mixers in Southern California, and he sees it, sees it's awesome, says, hey, we need a partner up. He was a failed businessman before, actually, and struggling, but he goes off on buying land and real estate, ultra successful, but here's where he got the order messed up, ended up in a massive legal battle. After a while, in his expansion, he claimed himself as the founder. And a lawsuit was waiting. Now, he was a very ruthless businessman. One quote, he said, if I saw my competitor drowning, I would make sure I put a hose down his mouth. Right, that's who you're dealing with here. So you have a man that claimed that he made something he did not. He won the lawsuit, ended up owning McDonald's and expanding it. But there's something weird when someone's like, yeah, that's mine. You're like, it's, it's actually not. That was given to you. That's on loan. That car's on lease. You don't own that car. <laughs> like, like, there's something to owning something it's not. So he, do, he owns something he's not supposed to. He's not obedient. And here's, gosh, this part of the story gets me every time. Here's where the system just crumbles. Just when we think we've figured out how this is going to go, the water flows out of the rock. He takes the glory for his own. He doesn't do what the Lord says he did, was supposed to do. Reacts out of anger, and the Lord still brings water. Just when you think you could formula this thing, you can't. And... What do we look at? What will we see in these scriptures? I see the mercy of God. I see the love of God that he didn't want to kill these people in this desert, even though they did not like him and complained and really warred against the Lord and had made false idols. And still out of mercy and love, he still gave them water when their leader missed it. And how much has that happened where actually some people in this room and in others, they've seen the miracles of God God in <laughs> broken leaders that have missed it. And we can do two things. Where someone is a broken leader that can have a moral failing and we don't excuse the issues and abuse and stuff that has happened in in churches. We don't excuse that in leadership. We don't exalt them just because the miracles are flowing. Oh, the miracles are there. Yeah, but he's hurting people. We don't exalt them. We also don't do this. We don't throw out the miracles. Why? Because... Because God's at the center of the miracles, not the man, not the woman. They didn't heal anybody. They're a broken person. God's responsible for the miracles, which is really painful sometimes to come to grips, that a broken person that can completely miss it and hurt other people, that the Lord actually can legitimately use them. And you know why I came to terms with all the church hurt and pain that you can grow up through? And trust me, I get it. But I came to the terms of being like, I believe this is possible because I know the Lord has used me. 
I've been flawed. I've made mistakes. I still make mistakes. And the Lord still uses people like Moses where you're like, it shouldn't work. It really shouldn't. I don't get it. And yet the mercy of God is so grand and beautiful and how he loves his people that we don't have to throw out the work of God in your life just because it came from a hurtful person. We don't exalt them, but we don't throw out what God did at the same time. And I know that's a very hard and very sensitive topic. There's a movie coming out, um, it's already out, Jesus Revolution, um, about movement that happened in the 70s. Huge, huge movement. There's a man uh, the Lord used named Lonnie Friedman, a Frisbee, excuse me, Lonnie Frisbee. Lonnie Frisbee had miraculous things work through him, really powerful in this movement. Now, what you might not know is this. There was a time where he got away from the movement. Um, He actually got divorced in the 80s. He got really demonstrative about stuff. He actually contracted AIDS. And on his deathbed from AIDS, what some people didn't know, is he actually came back to the Lord. And someone was like, well, why would you, they asked one of the creators, why would you put Lonnie in this movie? You know, he really got off. And he's just like, because the Lord used him. If we were to take him out of the movie, it actually would be rewriting history. And that sometimes can be the hard point, that actually the Bible is a bunch of broken people that the Lord used. Samson was sleeping with prostitutes and was doing horrible things and lazy with the gifts of God and still the Lord used him. David, gosh, did David commit a lot of stuff in a short amount of time. And the Lord still used him, even a shepherd boy. I mean, you have Samuel who raised wicked sons but was still a prophet of the Lord. Uh, you still had like Ruth who you didn't think anything was going to come of her and the Lord used are greatly in the lineage of Jesus, you have a complete array of people that are obviously flawed. And the best part about them is the Holy Spirit uses them. God uses them. And I see it as encouraging. I don't see it as discouraging because my focus isn't on man. Man doesn't produce miracles or salvations. Jesus does. And it's the whole testament of the Bible. That there are people that are obviously, obviously have problems. And the Lord still uses them. They're not, I realize we use this in terms, and it was in good intentions. I don't agree with it. They're not actually superheroes. They're people. They're people that God used supernaturally. There's a a story. uh, There's a man who comes to this church a lot. Uh, In December, his name's Dr. Rutland. He was actually uh, my college president for a short term, for a short time. Many decades ago, he told this story. Um, so he was at a healing conference in a small church in the 80s, in the year of the Lord, or 80s, I don't know. Uh, so he was a small, small church in, a, in a, a healing conference, right? He had something called a planner's wart um, on his heel. And he called it, to quote, the wart from hell, um, And he said that this particular healing conference, where he's preaching, it actually swelled up to the size of a golf ball and turned purple. And the pain was so overwhelming, he couldn't put his shoes on. So he's preaching the healing conference, and he's he's hobbling up, dealing with his own sickness. 
So he said, you know, he gets back to his hotel, gets his song leader, and they, they put oil on him, and they name it and claim it and proclaim it and name it and claim it and proclaim it and oil and just every single thing he could think of. He said, he said I used everything I ever heard in every tape to be like, God, come on, and we're going to believe. And he said, the funny thing was, not that funny, he said, uh, every time he prayed, it got worse. Um, so he, he's praying and it got worse. So he stands up the next day, he's sitting in pews. Uh, come home, pews. Uh, so he's sitting in pews, he's propping his foot up. There's an old woman in the kitchen. And the old woman in the kitchen is, is, is cooking and she had um, an adult son, about 28 years old, who had Down syndrome. And uh, his name is Jimmy. Jimmy, um, I think at an understanding level, he was about a six-year-old, Lewis Glenn. So Jimmy, uh, while Dr. Rutten's really just crying out to God, being like, Lord, just, just help me, you know, help me. I need, some, I need some help. Just a real prayer, you know, when you kind of, your theology deconstructs a bit. And you're like, come on, God. <laughs> like, just really crying out. Well, in the meantime, Jimmy's got Sheriff Star on. He's got his cowboy hat and two pearl-handled guns. And he is a grown man popping up behind pews and going, bang, bang. And, um, and Dr. Mark said he's, he's trying to, you know, he's being kind, like, hey, bang, bang, Jimmy, uh, please let Mark die alone. Uh, <laughs> trying to get the Lord to take me here. And he said he felt like in that moment, in his own heart, he felt impressed from God to say, ask Jimmy to pray for your foot. His first reaction was, Lord, I got a master's from Emory, Harvard of the South, an earned PhD. I should be the one praying for Jimmy. And he also felt like the Lord said to him, well, it's your foot. Uh, <laughs> that's revelation for somebody. Uh, so he asked Jimmy to come over. Jimmy comes over. He says, hey, Jimmy, when you get hurt, does your mommy pray for you? I said, Yes. And he said, Brother Mark hurt his foot. And it hurts real bad. And he really needs Jesus to heal his foot. Would you pray for me? He said, Jimmy took his hat off. He knelt down, put his hands on his foot. And uh, he, he barely really had much language to him at that time. And he said, just, Jesus, heal Brother Mark's foot. In Jesus' name, amen. Gets up, puts his hat back on. And goes bang bang and runs off. So <laughs> true story. And you know, so Mark's kind of just like, well, great, thy thy kingdom come. Um, that was his reaction. In thirty minutes, the pain went away. In an hour, the coloration was gone. In two hours, the swelling was completely gone. And for decades of his life, it's never come back. So, so what do we do? Do we, do we lift up Jimmy and say, oh, this is the way in which we're going to pray. We're going to do it just like Jimmy. Do we doctorally discern that he didn't do prayer just the right way and he wasn't an elder, didn't have the oil? Or do we just say, look at the mercy of God. Look at the fact that I don't understand all the mechanics of it, but look at the mercy of God. The water flowed in the rock and his foot was healed. And I don't know all the details, but I see the love of God for humanity that when they miss it in their own pride, he still loves us. 
And with that, no, what's interesting is it doesn't excuse our behaviors. In fact, Moses paid price for his consequence. I mentioned there were 613 laws. When the Lord in verse 12 goes to Moses, there was a price he paid that was steep and said, you will not enter the promised land and lead them there. And when the Lord says you will not, that, that's what it is. Moses saw the promised land. He never stepped foot in it. And at that time in the Old Testament, <laughs> you wore your disobedience. That is what you carried. And there were rituals and rites that were complicated to be able to get out of it. And it proved in the Old Testament what is so beautiful in the New. That what the law could not do, Jesus did for us. That where Moses carried his own disobedience, do we understand that Jesus carried yours and mine? That I don't have to carry my own disobedience. In fact, what he did on the cross allows me to enter the promised land and be in relationship with the Father and not just be in heaven, but to know the truth of God and have the Holy Spirit dwell within me in the midst of my own mistakes. And we don't wear disobedience like Moses had to. We've been forgiven because instead of Moses had to pay his disobedience, Jesus paid ours outright. And it's another example of the mercy of God. Not if it's earned. There are people in here, you feel like if you just get it right, if I just do it and I raise my hands at the right time and I finally get in the reading plan, if I just get it right, finally, everything's going to align. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't live a life for God. If we live against what the Lord's called us to do, good luck. That's a very hard life. I'm not saying we don't try our best to seek after him with all our heart and, and show ourselves approved and study and get in the word and pray our ever-loving hearts out. But let's understand that the mercy and the love of God is far greater than our understanding. That even when we mess up, he still loves us. Even when we don't get it just right, there's still mercy. And it speaks to Jesus because here's what's crazy. He knew we'd mess up. He knew it. He knows we're still going to mess up. He knows we'll still miss it. He knows he'll speak to us and we'll still not get it. And yet forgiveness and salvation and empowerment through the Holy Spirit is still available to us today. That is the mercy and the love of God. That's incredible and wonderful and never earned. So when I look at Jesus, I know in my own heart, I can't claim a thing. It's all of the Lord because of how much he's loved me. And what I love is, it's available to us today. Whether you started in faith and you have felt like you have struggled in uphill battle and are on fumes, you've never known Jesus or you're somewhere in the middle. The love of God is for you. because he's merciful. Scripture actually says in translation, he has compassion. One translation says pity, compassion upon us. I love that. Let's pray. With every head bowed and eyes closed, we want this opportunity that if you need strength, I'm just going to pray this. If you need strength in this room, I'm going to pray for you. You don't have to raise your hand. 
but we're going to go and have another opportunity to go ahead. Father, we thank you, Lord, for every person in this room, for those that need strength to know the love and the mercy of God, those that have felt like they are fighting a battle that has just been overwhelming, to know that the mercy of God is available for them, for those that have kept their own sins and not truly just release them knowing the forgiveness they have in Jesus Christ. They can give that over to you and not live in sin and bondage, but know the freedom they have as a child of God and know that the truth sets them free. We thank you, Lord, for that. For those who had head bowed and eyes still closed, if you've never come to know Jesus Christ or you need to come back to him, we want this opportunity right now not to embarrass you, not to call you to the front, not to make it a show because that's not what this is, but to really come in faith to believe that he is Jesus Christ, who he says he is, our Savior, our Lord. And you want that opportunity to pray with us as a church about this. I want you to raise our hand. And whether it be one person or many, this entire room will pray with you because that's what a church family is about. So we repeat after me, say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven, and I have a relationship with you. I am a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.